podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. It's Series 2, Episode 25 as we talk a comfortable Artful 2-0 win over Watford at home, as well as looking ahead to the UEFA Europa League game at home to St Etienne and a trip to Blackburn Rovers in the FA Cup. As always, we have our extensive youth and loan roundup as we bring you news on Tahith Chong's injury and another big win for our under-18s, as well as some good news for left-back Joe Riley, who's made his debut for Sheffield United on loan there. Jack, Mourinho described our first-half performance as, as an art uh, the journalist described it as very good. He wasn't happy with that. Certainly created a, a good atmosphere at Old Trafford. Um, though I did say to people sitting around me, this will be nil-nil about 40 seconds before matters opener. Glad to be proved wrong. Um, a brilliant first-half performance, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was great to see. We played some really, really good football. I'm not sure it was quite an art, but it was definitely some of the best football we've been, we've played this season. Mkhitaryan and Mata combination was great all game. They seemed to link up very well. And they... they the the short sharp passing was so much better than it has been in recent in recent times. Um, you, you're so right about thinking it was going to go to nil nil though. I was sitting there watching the game thinking the exact same thing. I had I just couldn't stop thinking of all the all the games this season where we've created countless chances and just couldn't put them away. Or the goalkeepers had an amazing afternoon and once Gomez had made a few saves, I could just see it being a nil nil draw. Uh, but no, it was it was very good. I I actually really enjoyed watching us. Um, which is not something I've been able to say that much in the last couple of years. It was great. And Mkhitaryan especially impressed me a lot. I thought he had a great game. And in the last, in the last month or so, he's really showed us just why we all value him so much because he really is an amazing, amazing creative player. Yeah, really impressed with Mkhitaryan, but gen- generally just really impressed with the whole team. Everyone looked very confident. And speaking to people after the game, they sort of said, well, it's now February and this team has finally sort of begun to trust in each other's ability so I can't really remember a game with that many sort you know those those little flicks the little back heels I mean Matter's goal was one of them and Zlatan did one in the build-up to that and I think uh, Martial did one in the build-up to his goal there were so many little just little things that that confidence brings and knowing your teammates knowing where they're going to run brings and I think we're finally starting to see the team they have been playing as a team but I think they're finally starting to to gel a bit more I'm not saying that they weren't at the start of the season, but it's just a lot more fluid at the moment. I think I think that's the key word. Everything is everything is nice and fluid. I don't think there's ever been a problem with the team not kind of playing as a team together. Um, but I think it's been an issue with a lot of our attacking players coming in and not having the understanding between them, which seems to have definitely developed in the last couple of weeks. I, th- I think you're you're right about all the um, kind of the little intricate flicks and stuff because it's very easy to make kind of five, ten-yard passes, and then one person runs it, a defender, you try and get a cross in, you know. Any any combination of players can play football like that. But when we had the little combinations coming with the little the little off-the-ball runs, it, it just showed to me that everyone was becoming a lot more comfortable playing together. And it, it happened exactly, um, like you said, for, for Matter's goal. It was great because we had the little pass into Matter, the flick out wide, then it goes out to Martial. And the great thing was as well, our midfielders now are getting into the box so much more than they than they used to. Um, for the last couple of years, we've been used to only really having Matter as the only midfielder ever likely to to be scoring any goals. Um, 
And it's great now that we have Mata, Mkhitaryan, Pogba all wanting to get into the box all the time. And I think it's a it's something that Mourinho is trying to bring into the team as well, that wingers also are now starting to come into the box and offer more of a threat coming in from the other flank. There was uh, at least two occasions on um, Saturday where the winger from the opposite side of the pitch was ended up at the front post on a cross coming from the opposite side. I think for Mata's goal it happened. Um, and also when... Valencia down the right-hand side put in a cross and Martial was uh, at the front post and the one of the Watford defenders blocked it. But it's such a small thing and it's, it's actually a very simple thing. I mean, it's taught to kids everywhere, but just having those extra bodies in, in the box and people feeling like they have the freedom to do that is so, is so much better when we do create chances. And I think that's part of the reason why we... Obviously, we haven't buried all the, enough of these chances, but I think that's why in so many games this season we have been creating so many chances. Yeah, I think it looks like a very free system, but actually, when you when you really look at it, it's it's actually quite sort of instructed. And the the reason I say this is because I was thinking about why Valencia has been so good at right back, and I saw someone tweeting that he can no longer be considered a makeshift right back. He is actually a very good right back, and this comes after Mourinho said he was the best right back in the world, which. I don't think he is. Um, I think some right backs would be a little offended by that, but it, it's a confidence booster, and it 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 shows just how good he has been. That it's not completely ridiculous to say that. Um, I think it, I think it was the third minute in which we saw Valencia first attack and cross. Um, uh, and while he was sort of deployed at right back under Van Hal, and I think once or twice under Moyes, and, and a couple of times under Fergie, I think Mourinho's. Um, switched to 4-3-3 and now it's sort of merging into a 4-2-3-1 has really sort of exaggerated Valencia's quality there because with any with any right midfielder or right winger or whatever kind of system we're playing a Mourinho system whether it's Mkhitaryan, Mata or even Lingard or, or even Wayne Rooney that player is effectively a second number 10 for the majority of the match sort of floating inside producing their best moments um, a, mu- a much more inward position than your traditional right midfielder slash right winger like just to the right of, of the attacking midfielder Mkhitaryan was the attacking midfielder on Saturday and Mata the right midfielder coming in basically playing together and in fact if you look at the the heat maps Mkhitaryan's further right than Mata I think that just shows how sort of free it is but as well Mata's being instructed to come inside rather than then under Moyes he was sort of hugging the t- touchline really inefficiently and Marino Systems getting the best out of players like Mata who, who are allowed to do that but Key for, for the point I'm saying is that the space left by Mata allows Valencia to to charge into that space. And by drifting inside quite a lot of the time, Mata's dragging his mark away from that space on the right flank. Valencia's going into there. And when Zlatan drops back to drops deeper because he gets a bit bored by not having the ball, he's dragging away a centre-back. The left-back has to cover for the opposition. And Valencia's suddenly got all of this space to charge into, cross into. And if the right-back is there or the left-back is there, then he takes them on. So I think Valencia is benefiting the most out of it, but actually this this attacking system is really bet- benefiting the the creative players like Mata Mkhitaryan, Martial, who are allowed to roam quite free in in that front four, as well as our right back in Valencia, and, and hopefully we can see that have the have the same effect on Luke Shaw if he's ever given that chance again um, with our left winger who's also cutting inside because at the moment we're sort of playing with three very very narrow attackers behind Zlatan Ibrahimovic and I think it's working really well and particularly for Valencia who's who had another brilliant game on on Saturday yeah I really liked Mourinho's system actually that we, that we played against Watford of 
having the, the very narrow wingers because I think not only does it help people to be able to actually create those intricate passing lanes that we were talking about before, but then, as you said, it leaves space for the fullbacks to, to bomb forward. And clearly, Antonio Valencia um, has been a huge beneficiary of that this season. He continues to be so. And hopefully, when Luke Shaw does come back into the team, whenever that may be, hopefully soon, uh, we can see him benefiting from it as well. I, I, I really liked the um, the team that Mourinho put out, actually, on Saturday. I think he has to get a lot of credit for for that victory because, A, he put out a very attacking team. He decided not to go with Michael Carrick in midfield and um, have Herrera as the kind of lone, lone sitting midfielder. I mean, he didn't really sit that much um, either, but kind of the, the, the deepest midfielder, I guess. Um, and he decided to go with Martial, Mata, Mkhitaryan, Pogba, Ibrahimovic. And I think it worked really well. I think, Matter and Mkhitaryan, it's one of the first times we've seen them play together from the start. Um, and I think it worked really, really well. They, they're they quite similar players in that their vision and their, their passing is very is very similar. They always want to try and achieve the same things with their passes. But I think where Mkhitaryan helps Matter is that Mkhitaryan has that burst of pace and he can stretch defences slightly more than Matter. So I think, I think although Mkhitaryan lined up in the centre of the pitch and Matter lined up at, um, on the right, I think part of the reason why Mkhitaryan's heat map was and ended up being further right than Matters was because Mkhitaryan's pace means that he's slightly more suited to playing out wide. Um, but their interchanges was were fantastic. And I think Mourinho should take a lot of credit for that. He's created a system where people are given enough, a lot of freedom going forward. But as soon as we lose the ball, everything becomes very disciplined. Um, and I think that was that was something that I was actually pleased with against Watford. Is that often when we've had games like this where we've dominated and been creating a lot of chances this season. There's there have been like slip ups in in uh, in the back line, you know, and there have been times where teams would hit hit us on the counter attack and we don't react quickly enough or we don't have the numbers back in defence. And I think that's what also improved against Watford is that we never really looked like conceding at any point. Um which I think Watford had that one free kick from Zarate, uh which I didn't even think was a foul. Um but apart from that, it we really what didn't look in trouble at all. And I think it's that balance between giving people enough freedom going forward, but still keeping the solidity and uh, when we lose the ball and having people in transition actually work hard enough to get back into position. And I think Mourinho should take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, th- I think in general, the team on Saturday was, was very well chosen and the the actual system is, is sort of a change from what we've seen before. I think Mourinho's at, at Chelsea and and Real Madrid, um, Inter Milan, he sort of favoured the the four two three one, and so far United is is tended to go towards um towards a four three three, very similar systems. But I think in in changing for the smaller games against Watford, he's now realised that the four two three one gives him a lot more freedom in attack, and I think we saw that on Saturday instead of having Carrick, who obviously is still a fantastic player, and we've both praised him a lot on. Uh, on this podcast this season and last season. But a two-man midfield against Watford is much more sensible. And Marino described Pogba as playing with, with his brain in the last two games. Um, and I, I think that's completely right. Pogba's been fantastic. And not not fantastic in, in the most obvious of ways because he's been slightly more restricted by, by not having the freedom that, that Carrick gives him by, by playing much deeper. So Pogba's playing deeper. There, there were a couple of scary moments with, with Pogba on Saturday, but Honestly, every time you have those scary moments, it seems that he recovers them. So while they are scary, they're becoming sort of less worrying when Pogba seems to be about to lose the ball because 
What's important is that he didn't actually lose the ball once on, on Saturday while he was on the ball. He he misplaced two passes, but apart from that, he didn't actually move the, lose the ball. Um, the strength of, of his body, upper and lower body, is is phenomenal. Combined with some some brilliant passes and and just in general brilliant in terms of drawing the space away, allowing Herrera to run through, allowing um, Eric Bay, who we'll move on to in a second, to run through. Um, and his average position ended up being behind the halfway line, which was actually only just behind Zlatan. It shows how deep Zlatan was being. But Pogba was much more disciplined and looked to to understand his role much better. So while he had less freedom, maybe that's a good thing because he wasn't trying to do everything at once. Pogba has impressed me in the last few weeks in that he started to do do the simple things again. In his best kind of form so far just before Christmas I'd say he was just doing the simple things very very well and it was a change from the start of the season I think where he seemed a little bit too eager to impress and he seemed to fall back into that for a couple of games um, around especially in the Liverpool game but he's he's gone back to just doing the simple things well and like you said sometimes sometimes when Pogba gets the ball and you think there's just no way out of that situation he has to lose the ball but his strength is just ridiculous Um, he's he manages to get out of so many situations that no other player would, would get out of. Um, granted, he probably puts, him, puts himself in more of those situations than most players put themselves in. But he has the ability, the strength and the, and the confidence, I guess, to, to, to play his way out. And when he combines that with doing the simple things well, he becomes almost a complete midfielder. Um, he, he really has shown everyone why he's so good, I think, in the last few months. Because he had a tough start. He was playing in a system that probably didn't quite suit him um and I think he was trying to prove people prove to people too much that he was worth the money or all the hype was was worth it and I think he's settled down now and he's got his place in the team he knows who he's going to be playing with every week pretty much and that's really helped him and he's turned out to be a brilliant brilliant signing I can't imagine our midfield without him now what what impresses me most about Pogba is that you never you never quite know when there's going to be a flash of brilliance, but you know it's always going to come eventually. I, I mean, I said he does all the simple things well, and that's great. But sometimes you do just have to appreciate the fact that he can do things that other footballers can't. And when he when he turns the style on, he he looks unstoppable on occasion. Um, I I just I love watching Pogba every time I every time I watch him play, and him him coming deep and trying to dictate the play from deeper. I actually really like that side of his game. Well, A, it gives him the freedom that if he has enough space, he can go on on a, uh, one of these rampaging runs forward, which he has the ability and the strength to to pull off. But also, his his range of passing is very underrated. Um, I think because he has so many other things in his locker, it doesn't get spoken about too much. But his range of passing is fantastic. And when he does dictate play from deep, he can do that very, very effectively. So I, I quite enjoy him getting the ball off the centre-backs, getting his head up. And launching attacks from there. Um, he's just a great all-round midfielder with very few weaknesses. Yeah, it was it was another fantastic game from Pogba. And I think, yeah, we are really starting to see him to, to prove himself. Although I, I, st- I still maintain that he will never prove himself because because of that transfer fee. Um, the only problem with that two-man midfield is that having Herrera as our deepest midfielder, if he commits to, to pressing Watford or, or any other opposition, there's no one to cover him, really, with, with only Pob there. And Pob is usually slightly higher up the field. And that, that leaves our back four exposed a bit. And that we've seen that happen quite a lot this season. And thankfully, we've dealt with it 
quite well in general. Um, and particularly Eric Bay dealt with it superbly on Saturday. Um, but there's still work to be done on those terms. In, in, in terms of Eric Bay, though, composure at the back is something we rarely have. And Bay's return from Afcon in the best pa- fashion imaginable. So refreshing after after having Small in there for a couple of weeks in that role. There's no stupid, needless passes back to the air, no hoofing it out. It's by winning the ball back with his brilliant tackling and either getting out of the situation really calmly, no just hoofing it away straight away, maybe he'll take on a player, or he's really direct, moves up the pitch, and Pogba gives him that space to move up the pitch. It's he's, he's brilliant to watch and, and start he, he he honestly starts a number of our attacks. It's not Maybe it's not directly the pass that starts our attack, but it's him It's him initiating those attacks. I think at 22 years old, still eligible to play for play for our reserve team, Bayer is, is actually sh- shocking me and quite a lot of other people with, with actually how good he is. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we, um, talk, we're going to talk about Bayer because I, I think he's been brilliant since he's come back. Um, especially yesterday against Watford, like I said, he's just so composed on the ball when he, when he does make a tackle or or gets the ball from anyone, no matter how, how much pressure he's under, he's always very composed and he knows the right decision to make. Sometimes sometimes he doesn't feel the need to get to get rid of the ball and, and just clear his lines, but he he always manages to make the right decision in those kind of areas. If he's under pressure and he thinks he can play his way out of it, he will. And nine times out of ten, he does it superbly. And and that's without even talking about his actual defending, which is is brilliant. You very, very rarely see Bayer get beaten uh, in a one-on-one situation. He reads the game very well. He's strong. He's good in the air. There are very few centre-backs I've seen come in at such a young age and impress me the way that Bai has. And he, he's been brilliant. I always, while he was at AFCON, I guess because Smalling and Rojo have played very well, I guess, in his absence. Um, and Phil Jones for a few games. But I actually forgot how, how good Bai had been at the start of the season. Um, obviously, he came in, he started well, then got injured for a while, uh, then went off to AFCON. So it's been a while since we've seen him have a run in the first team, but now that he's come back, he looks he looks brilliant. He really does, and I really want to see him play alongside Rojo in defence because I think we're all just waiting to see a defence of Valencia by Rojo and Shaw, um, which hopefully we'll, we we can see eventually. But Bay has been a, a, a brilliant signing, and for someone who's only twenty two, I mean his composure and his all round game is just a ridiculous level. Yeah, sure. We we definitely want to see Shaw come back into the fold. We're not going to talk about him too much just because we don't we don't have time to. We've been we've been praising far too many players today um, because uh, as an all round performance, it was fantastic. And yeah, especially I think by the main thing I took away from that game was very good game, closed the gap a bit, um, but mainly by was was so good. And I think most people came away from that game at Old Trafford thinking. I'd forgotten how good Bayer was. On the point of the team as a whole, the the gap to to second is now two points. So, if you forget that we could be better off and we could be in the top four, since December when there was an eleven point gap from second to sixth and we were sixth, we're now sixth and there's a two point gap to second. So effectively, if you forget the missed chances to go into the top four, we have made up nine points in two months. And when you look at it like that, it's we've improved surprisingly well. And in moving on, moving on up, um, looking at the next few games, our next five league games, we don't have a Premier League game till March or anything, but the, the, once we get back into Premier League action, the next five games are Bournemouth, Southampton, Middlesbrough, West Brom and Everton. And in that period, Arsenal play Liverpool and Man City and Liverpool play Arsenal, Man City and Everton. So 
another period where we have a great chance to to get back into the top four finally. Um, and yes, it's a little annoying that we're sick, but really, um, as as an overall point, I think we've done fantastically in the last the last two months or so. Forgetting that those three consecutive draws that we had, which were incredibly frustrating. It's definitely been frustrating at times. How many chances we've missed to go into the top four? It seemed like it seemed like we we go on a, a long winning streak. Uh, and then as soon as the other teams around us drop points, we draw um, just all the time. But we have made up made up a lot of ground. And this weekend was was um, with Spurs dropping points. Obviously, Arsenal have lost two games recently. Um, really brought us back into the fold. And two points off second, I mean, it's, that's not insurmountable by any means. Um, okay, it could go up that if uh, City win tonight. I guess we're recording this before before the Man City game has started. But I really think that the start of the season was pretty shocking, honestly. Um, I think we, we can't really beat around the bush with that one. But since then, it's been very, very good. And I think I think only um, Chelsea have collected more points than us since we started on this um, unbeaten streak, which is a brilliant sign. And I think, honestly, I think, I think right now, you'd, you'd have to say that we look best placed to carry on winning I think all the others are are struggling for form I think at the moment we're certainly no worse off than any of those teams above us um and we're I think we're definitely in the best form of anyone of any of those teams right now so with our fixtures coming up and some of the other teams fixtures hopefully we can be getting into the top four within the next month or so well I say that we don't have a league game for about three weeks so it might take a bit longer than that yeah a lot of cup games over the next few weeks Right, time for our weekly youth roundup. I was actually lucky enough to meet under-18s manager Kira McKenna and Tahith Chong, one of our best prospects at that level on Saturday at that match. Uh, Chong told me he'll be undergoing an operation on his knee after injury um, a few weeks ago. And uh, we're recording this on Monday and he had that operation earlier today, I think. So hopefully that's gone well. He's expected to be back uh, for next season, hopefully by pre-season, but maybe not. But he seemed fairly positive about it. Anyway, his teammates won 4-0 against Newcastle United on Friday night at Ultranham Stadium. Zach Durnley opening the score early on after six minutes before Aidan Barlow scored a second-half hat-trick, including one from the penalty spot. Barlow's actually been somewhat of a of a revelation. Quite young for, for the under-18s in terms of the, the respective ages of his teammates, but he's proving to be... Uh, in the absence of, of Angel Gomez, and uh, who's on international duty with England, tell you a bit about that in a second. And Callum Gribbin, who's gone up to the under-23s. Buffonge, DJ Buffonge, is, is with the under-23s. Barlow is, has been sub- incredibly good, actually. He's, he's a really exciting Manculian talent to watch. In international news, as I said, Angel Gomez captained England to a 3-2 victory against Germany and a 1-0 loss against Portugal at the Algarve tournament. That continues this week, while Leo Connor captained the Republic of Ireland to a 2-0 victory over Hungary. DJ Buffon just been called up for Antigua and Barbuda's under-20 side for the, the CONCAF under-20 championships. Um, he is English and descends from Antiguan family, so we'll see if he is going to choose Antigua in the long run. But a good experience from nonetheless. I think that tournament is this month. In low news, Joe Riley made a brief Sheffield United debut and was praised by manager Chris Wilder for his attitude and performances in training, apparently earning respect from his teammates for his attitude since coming in. Uh, Sam Johnston started again for Aston Villa in a 1-0 loss against Ipswich Town, while Adnan Yanazai played in Sunderland's 4-0 defeat to Southampton. Andreas Pereira plays on Monday night, so 
If you're listening before then, you can watch on Sky Sports 3 as Granada play. Right, Saint-Étienne on Thursday night in the first leg of the round of 32 in the Europa League. I think I remember reading that they have one of the best defensive records in France. I think Monaco and PSG may be ahead of them, or perhaps just PSG. So we can, we can probably expect them to sit back at Old Trafford, hoping for, for a home win where they've been pretty strong this season. But on the other hand, uh, my my people, or my one person who's watched Saint-Étienne this season and for the past few years, say they have a very talented winger in uh, Roman Hamuma, who could be up against Matteo Damian on the right wing. So hopefully that won't be the case and hopefully be on the left wing against uh, our, our big man, Antonio Valencia. But if he is on the right wing, then our left-back situation isn't great at the moment. So hopefully um, he won't cause too much trouble. Um, Jack, predictions for this at Old Trafford on Thursday? I think it'll be a quite cagey affair. O- often first legs in European games are. Obviously, this is... Not quite the uh, a Champions League semi-final or anything, but I think it'll be relatively cagey for the opening. I'd expect us to to try and nick a goal in the second half and be content with a 1-0 victory, which I actually wouldn't be surprised seeing happening. But again, I, as you said with uh, with Darmian, I expect us to rest a lot of players. We have a lot of cup games coming up that in probably more important competitions. And especially with our recent league form, I think at this stage in the season, we really don't have to prioritise the Europa League. So it wouldn't surprise me to honestly see a, a negative result. I hope I hope I'm wrong, and I hope that we do have enough. But Sanetian are going to be no pushovers. I watched. I, I've not. I've not watched them much at all. But I, I watched like a f- some highlights of some of their Europa League group games, and they they seem they seem to be a pretty decent side. So we'll see what happens. But I'm not. I'm. I don't think we'll blow them away by any means. Um, I think it could be a one a one all draw, which. Would not be an amazing result, but it certainly keeps us in the tie for the second leg. I'm going to go a little more positive. Um, with them sitting back, though, I think we'll win 2-1. We'll get beaten on the counter. Uh, Marino's going to start a two-man midfield and, and not see the benefits. And then we're going to go back to three-man and be less attacking, which is going to be disappointing. There's my pessimistic but optimistic prediction. Um, and then we got Blackburn. On Sunday, another match on TV in the Cup, much to everyone else's annoyance, which is absolutely fantastic to see, and a 7,000 away allocation. Actually, matches being on TV are quite annoying because often they're really bad times if you're going to, to the game. But just to see how annoyed uh, other teams' fans get is, is honestly hilarious. Uh, the time that people have on their hands to complain about this. Anyway, um, should be a great day out for anyone who's going. Unfortunately, I'm away, so I can't go. But I'm going to go a comfortable 3-0 victory on Sunday. I think it's a 4pm kickoff. Uh, Jack, where are you going for this one? I'm going to say 3-1 with Rooney to score. Yeah, that's a question. I th- which side is going to see a weaker game? I'd assume Blackburn, but you never know in Mourinho. I think I'm hoping that because Mourinho sees Luke Shaw as a backup option, he's played on Thursday and is given a chance to impress in a big game. Um so so we'll hopefully see Shaw then. And it's, it's a question as who we're going to see Martial or Rashford now, both competing for the same position at the moment. Um, Martial chosen on Saturday, give him a bit of a boost in confidence, Marino said. And we didn't actually talk about him that much earlier, but he had, he had a fantastic game um, and really exciting. Um, but yeah, we, we don't play in the Premier League till early March, I don't think. So uh, Matter said in, it, in his blog this morning, um, a def- season-defining couple of weeks, as every single couple of weeks have been for the last three months. But 
he is he is partly right in terms of in terms of cups because by the time we play another Premier League match, we could be League Cup champions in the FA Cup sixth round and be through to the Europa League round of sixteen, or we could have none of that and be out of all three competitions incredibly disappointingly. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. gonna definitely gonna be an interesting few weeks. Just, I mean, it's, it's always like that, I guess, with the with cup games. It's just strange to have so many in such a condensed period. But it definitely will be a, I guess, a season-defining few weeks. Yeah, I think that's a good good way of describing it. To be fair, I think from now until the end of the season, every few weeks is a season-defining few weeks. But I guess this more more so. Someone, one of my friends, asked me this the other day, and it was, would you consider the League Cup and a top four spot a successful season? And I said, at this point, I probably would. I wouldn't have at the start of the season, but having seen where we went, what kind of October time, I would probably take that now. But I think we still want to, we still want to keep playing on all fronts. We still have the chance of doing the worst treble in history, which would be amazing, <laughs> of the FA Cup, the League Cup, and the Europa League. But um, hey, we're still we're still fighting on four fronts. So I think as as long as we can do that, then I'm happy. If we can hopefully get a piece of silverware, I think. Silverware would would be a great um, way to just boost the spirits around the club. It was great when we won the FA Cup last season. And if we could get a trophy in top four, I'd be relatively happy. Yeah, I I think think no silverware would definitely be a disappointing season given the position we're in. If you'd asked me a month ago, top four in League Cup, I would have said yes straight away. But at the moment, I think given our... Given a relatively easy opposition in the Europa League at the moment, unlike last season where there were a couple of really challenging sides, we played Liverpool, not got knocked out of them. We would have played Dortmund in the next round and then Villarreal. Some not elite sides, but some good sides. This season it's much less challenging. I think we should be progressing to at least the semi-final of the Europa League, but then again, it's it's often in a knockout competition like that, and in a European competition, it's often much harder to predict. You can get some some big upsets and those kind of things. I think we should be reaching the the semi final of the FA Cup. We've had quite a easy, one of the easiest runs to an FA Cup final so far that we've had in a in a long while. Because last season we had uh, a less easy route, but yeah, I I think just a trophy in top four, I'd obviously take. But I think we should be winning the League Cup and progressing at both the FA Cup and Europa League and getting top four. But then if we won the treble and didn't get top four, I'd be happier than one trophy in top four, I think, because we'd still be in the Champions League and would have had three finals and three trophies, and that would have been brilliant. So anyway, that's all we have time for on a packed episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Remember to check our website, www.manchesterunitedweeklypodcast.com, nice and simple, and follow us on Twitter at, at UTDweeklyPod, that's P-O-D, you can follow Jack at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me at, at HarryRobinson64. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Please keep keep listening. Keep subscribing. Keep leaving us reviews on iTunes. Um, have a good week. Goodbye. Network.